What is up, everyone? And welcome to another episode of It's Called Soccer. This is the weekly U.S. soccer show where we talk about everything in American soccer. I am your host, Jake, here in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, joined, as always, by Ellie and Tom. We have a packed show today. We are going to be talking about the U.S. Soccer Federation shakeup as Ernie Stewart has left his post as sporting director. Ryan McBride is out. Claudio Reyna is out as the sporting director at Austin FC as well. The U.S. men's national team had two matches, a loss against Serbia and a draw against Colombia. And Weston McKinney looks to be on his way to Leeds United, making him the fifth American after Chris Armas joined as an assistant coach. Before we get to all of that, We'll have whip around coverage of all of the U.S. eligible players across the world. Let's check in with our co-host, Ellie. How are you? I know you had a game that you went to recently. How's that? Hey, I am. I'm good. I'm recovering from the Chattanooga FC versus Atlanta United game uh, for preseason friendlies yesterday. Um, and just, I can't put into words how amazing it was. Um, just the crowd was electric. We recorded our seventh biggest crowd in Chattanooga history with like 7,000, 8,000 fans. Like it was incredible. Um, CFC held Atlanta United and MLS side to a draw, which like for a NISA team in the lower levels of of U.S. soccer, just what a blessing. Um, So just all around great time, great time. Good to get to see Atlanta United and and our beautiful home Chattanooga amazing Tom how about you how are you I'm I'm doing great um got some homework due here in about uh eight hours so as soon as we finish this I'm gonna get back to finishing that up and uh yeah just excited to be talking some U.S. soccer again after another long week Bet online remains your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season everything from NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball UFC MMA and more You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Please gamble responsibly. Before we get to the weekend, there were some goals midweek. Tom, what happened? Yeah, we had two match winners midweek. Uh, one, Gio Reyna, um, doing his traditional alternating between banger and tap-in, scores a tap-in at the final kick of the game uh, to off a corner kick. It sort of gets a glancing ball off a second deflection that sort of finds him open by the back post he slots at home uh gives Dortmund a 2-1 win over Mines. uh then we had Georgie Mihailovic getting his first goal in the Netherlands he had possibly one of the more ridiculous goals you'll actually see that game ended like 4-1 but he's was the second goal um the ball was hit as a cross I think he thought it was gonna hang in the air a little bit longer than it did because he was clearly set up for a header but it dropped very fast he ended up taking a header from the ground and putting it in the top corner uh, one of the more ridiculous things you'll see. Don't know why he didn't use his feet, but we it counts all the same. It looked pretty cool. So A goal is a goal. You have to wonder yeah. when you watch that why you wouldn't just use your feet. But he got down there about two inches off the ground with his forehead. Put it in. <laughs> it, it counts. It counts. And on Friday, Matt Turner started in goal for Arsenal as they lost a heartbreaker to Manchester City 1-0. There wasn't much he could do about the goal, but you could see just in those 90 minutes, how much he's improved with his feet. And I, for one, am very excited about his future. Ellie, I know you're high on Matt Turner. What did you see from the game and going forward since they lost and he's not going to be in that cup competition anymore? What are you looking forward to for the rest of Matt Turner's season? Personally, I was super impressed having watched the game and having seen Manchester City's season with Erling Holland just putting in hat-trick after hat-trick and beautiful game after beautiful game. Seeing Matt Turner save a goal, a potential goal from Erling Holland, and take Man City to a thing game, I'd that's being incredible for what it could be. Um, and to be able to come away with, I think I wouldn't blame that goal on him either. What having seen it, there were two defenders standing there, flat-footed, watching it go right back past them. Like he's so close, he's just an inch away from saving it. I think that he had a fantastic game. 
And going forward, I mean, I think having proved that he can hold his own against a side like Manchester City, I I personally think he deserves a look at for more games in the, the Prem instead of sitting and watching all of them. Um, we, we do still have the Europa League that Arsenal will be a part of, and he's been getting the game time there. So I don't think the game time is completely done with Matt Turner, but we know that with Ram- uh, Ramsdale there, it's going to be difficult to get playing time in the league. And also on Friday, Marlo Fossi, a name that we don't hear too much of, but he continues to be one of the best performing Americans in Europe, playing right wing back as standard liege defeats you've been 3-1. Going to Saturday in Germany, the Bundesliga is back in full force. We have many Americans, as always, to talk about in Germany. Jordan Pifoff came off the bench for Union Berlin in their 2-0 derby win against Hertha. Interesting to see how he's started to move back to the bench for Union Berlin, but they still continue their great success in the league so far, and they stay in the top four in those European spots. Joe Scali was back in the starting lineup as Gladbach defeated Hoffenheim 4-1. And in that same game, we saw John Brooks, who had just transferred from Benfica, start in the opposite defense for Hoffenheim. Tom, how did that happen? John Brooks coming right into the lineup. I think there's part of its injuries, part of its familiarity with Brooks as a longtime Bundesliga center back. Um, But either way, you really love to see him go from no match minutes over the last 18 months, hardly, to starting a Bundesliga match and playing 90 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Justin Shea also was on the bench for Hoffenheim in that match. And Kevin Paredes comes off the bench again for Wolfsburg, but this time he gets his first Bundesliga goal in added time, but it's not enough as Wolfsburg fall 2-1 to one to Bremen. Ellie, did you get to see that goal? What did you think of Kevin Paredes? I sadly did not get to see it, um, having been gone all day. Uh-huh. Fair. <laughs> I'm happy to hear that he had a goal. I meant to go watch the the highlight but how was it it was a rocket shot it was it trickled ball out to him he just sort of sweetly smacks a half volley that perfectly placed in the far corner past the keeper i don't think he really the keeper really had a chance to see it but really great technique on that ball yeah it was one of those where the quarter kick gets recycled back out he's the first to it and once he takes the hit it kind of goes through five or six defenders and attackers the goalie doesn't see it and it hits the side netting so it's a really nice goal to see him get that first also on saturday in france eric Palmer brown started and played 90 in twas 1-1 draw with lens and in england it was fa cup weekend with lots of americans in action austin trusty started in birmingham's 2-2 draw with blackburn they'll have a replay tyler adams was not on the roster for Leeds 3-1 victory over acting Accrington stanley but Brendan Aronson saw a few substitute minutes to see out the match. Did anyone get to see that Leeds match? I watched a little bit of it. Very, no. very hectic and very hectic and chaotic game. Uh, really, Leeds probably should have had five or six, but their front three was very selfish with the ball. I think in those matches, and you're playing, you know, some of your second teamers, they're looking to make a name for themselves, work their way into the starting lineup. But I thought their New signing Rudder looked really good, but he was a little bit rusty. So Leeds gets into the next round, and Tyler Adams got a rest. Brendan Aronson only saw a few minutes there. Daryl DK and West Bromwich Albion had a woeful day in the FA Cup. They fell to Bristol City 3-0, and Daryl DK had a 4.7 score from Foot Mob. So not a great day from him. Tim Ream and Jedi were unused for Fulham as they drew Sunderland 1-1. That was another great match that I got to watch as well. Sunderland looked to be a level above where they're playing currently. But Fulham, without Reem, without Jedi, you saw how important they were. I know they might show up later on our power rankings, but Tom, does this just validate for you how important they are to Fulham's success? It really does. And I saw a stat today that Tim Reem has more minutes than any single player in the English Premier League this year. He is number one in minutes played. Um, That just goes to show you how excellent of a season he's had we've said it before we will continue to say it until he stops having such an excellent season um and how important he is to Fulham seeing them struggle without him sort of validates that as well I believe I saw that stat in the it's called soccer discord so shout out to anyone that wants to see stats like that and be the smartest U.S. soccer fan join the it's called soccer discord the link is down below in the description 
Ethan Horvath was in net for Luton's 2-2 draw with Leak 2 side Grimsby, so that is not a great sign for Luton. They'll have a replay against the 4th Division side. And the Championship did have a few games as well on Saturday. Zach Steffen kept a clean sheet for Middlesbrough as they beat Watford 2-0, and they jumped them in the table as well to sit in 3rd place, which is right below the automatic promotion spot. What is happening with our goalkeepers now that the World Cup is over? Zach Steffen, Ethan Horvath, Matt Turner, everyone is putting in performances. It's good to see. I You want your goalkeepers to continue to get minutes, continue to look good when they get those minutes. And having more options at the position is always better than having some of the struggles we've had in the past. Yeah. Ellie, would, uh, do you think those are still the top three? Or maybe after seeing Gaga Salina in action for the U.S., is he going to be that number three goalkeeper? I can't hope enough. I can't hope enough. I absolutely love seeing Gagas Lonina this week and getting to just absolutely see him soar. And I just think he did a great job and everything. I, I, I know that we didn't, we, there were difficulties in the back line, but I don't blame any of it on Gagas Lonina. And I'd like to see him take that position. Um, I think that it's useful to have a bunch of senior players who are playing super well and then have someone who's younger, who's brought up in the system and trained by them and gets to learn from them. And, you know, it's always good to see who's coming up. Very true. And Sean Johnson got his transfer, or I guess signed as a free agent to Toronto, so he'll be with the new MLS team this season. Ellie, your favorite right back in Europe, Ryan Reynolds. He had an 8.2 rating in Westerloo's 2-0 win. And in what some would call the game of the weekend, a 5-5 thriller in Holland, Georgie Mihalovic and AZ Alkmaar took on Taylor Boost FC Utrecht. Both Americans started in the match and contributed to the goals tally with one assist each. Tom, I know you started to tune in after a few goals. What did you think of that match? That game was wild. I It was one of those games where just every single twist and turn you could think of would happen. Any, if you, you couldn't look away for a second because if you did, you would miss a goal or you'd miss the response to a goal who, that had just been scored. Uh, Utrecht went up 2-0. Uh, Alkmaar closed the gap tied it at three all um where Hylovic's assist was a very nice piece of work where he just sort of gets the ball that was sort of pinging around and it's laid off to him at the top of the box he picks up a really good pass to sort of slip in his striker for the finish um there were two hat tricks in the game both of them by greek strikers playing in the netherlands um booth also had an amazing game he was putting every single skill on display. You should go to Ryan's Twitter because Ryan clipped a bunch of the highlights from it. Um, his assist was a thing of beauty where he just picked his head up and put a ball on a platter for a striker for the five, fifth goal, the equalizer for Utrecht. Uh, I guess they're like third equalizer or something like that. Um, he could hit a really good cross. He was unlucky not to have at least two more. One was called offside. The other hit the post. Um, so a great game from him. A great game from Mihailovic. And just a wild finish. I've never seen a game before where it came to a four-all scoreline. I'm like, yeah, this game has two more goals in it. And the announcers are still saying, yeah, maybe this game has an 11th goal in it, and that might be the winner. I want to know the betting odds for having two hat tricks on either side and how often that happens. Someone has to stand to make a lot of money there. All right, rounding out Saturday's performances, Malik Tillman started Rangers' 2-0 win over St. Johnstone with James Sands on the bench again for Rangers. And only a few days after starting for the U.S. Men's National Team, Ali Satea started for Club America as they demolished their opposition 6 to nothing. On Sunday, Timothy Weah finally plays right wing instead of left back and gets a great match rating, but Lille fall to 1-0 to Nice. Not so Nice for Lille. Nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ricardo Vapi, but um, <laughs> Ricardo Pepe is back on the score sheet for Groningen, but sadly the team loses 3-2 to two at Volendam. Ellie, I, I'm going to go to you again. Based on that first USMNT game with Brandon Vasquez getting his goal, Ricardo Pepe back on the score sheet. Jordan P. Fox, Daryl DK, everyone's kind of up and down. So where do you see the, the goal scores now? Is Ricardo Pepe still in those top few spots for you? I think so. Um, I think that he still has a lot of potential. I think the goal he had was really, really nice. Um, I 
I hope it helps him build confidence. And I hope even if it doesn't, if he's not in that space right now, I hope it helps rocket him into that space. Um, I think he has a lot of potential. Um, it just depends on where he goes from here. Yeah. Tom, does it help now that maybe Ricardo Pepe isn't necessarily being hot and cold, but just a nice warm throughout and, and continues to score goals on a consistent basis? I mean, I, I think that, yeah, it, it's good for him to sort of get that sort of consistency in his goal-scoring form. Um, I mean, striker's an inherently streaky position, though. You you never know when you're going to go on a run of form where you're just sort of blisteringly hot or if you're going to sort of cool off for a while. Um, I would like to see him create that consistent danger more because I think that's the best way to prevent being super streaky is to be getting in good positions and doing something with the ball when you get to those positions. So it's good to see him sort of, I think, getting a little more stable with doing that. Um, those runs of blistering form were amazing to see from strikers, but... Um, as we've seen with someone like Jordan Peefock, when you're not in form, it can be really, really bad for your t- for your performances. So that little bit more consistency, that stability, and finding good chances is what I'm looking for from Pepe right now. Said as a true believer of XG. <laughs> All right, Yunus Musa, we're almost there, guys. Yunus Musa signed <laughs> for Valencia in their one nothing loss to Real Valladolid. And Luca De La Torre gets his second straight start for Celta de Vigo, gets an assist, and then comes off injured. But it looked like it might have just been a cramp, so we'll wait to see on the news there. It was great to see him get one of his first goal contributions in La Liga. Then in the Scottish Premiership, CCV versus Ian Harks. Celtic get the Dundee uh, 2-0 victory over Dundee. Cameron Carter-Vickers completed the most amount of passes in the match and had the highest pass accuracy. Tom, I know you continue to be very high on Cam Ricardo Vickers. What's what's he doing well to just always be lofted into those top few spots for center backs? I mean, his consistency as both a leader and a big physical presence and a strong passer, I guess that's three things, but um, uh, are the real things that set him apart for me right now. He's so athletic. He's still like an NFL linebacker, but he also has such great tusks on his passes, and he's just a great leader for a club like Celtic. So there's been a lot of great players to come out of the Scottish Premiership, and EPB, or CCB could be one of those players who sort of cut, puts it all together and really becomes something special. I know we all expected him to be successful as a center back this year, but as a captain of Celtic, probably came out of nowhere for us. But it's always great to have more yeah. leaders and qualities like that available to us. Oh, absolutely. It's a, a very important thing to have. We've had a couple of guys now who've gotten that armband in Europe, which is not a super common thing for Americans abroad. So we'd like to see more leadership uh, in the locker rooms around Europe. Just gives more options to us when we go to these international windows. We stand a good leader. All right. And then lastly, Gio Reyna doesn't see the pitch in Dortmund's 2 to nothing victory over Leverkusen. And now the top five in the Bundesliga are all within three points. So it's a great race in Germany as the league gets started again. That was a lot. Did I miss anybody? Any performances that stuck out to to you guys? I think that was pretty comprehensive there. We, we got a lot going on in Europe. And this was actually a, kind of a slow weekend. <laughs> yeah. A ton of Americans everywhere. And man, Everyone that's that's watching or listening, please give us feedback on how this has been. I feel like it's been really nice to get the whip around coverage, but once MLS starts, I'd, it's going to be difficult to pare this down less than 30 minutes. So let us know what's working for you, what's not, how we should continue this. But I'm enjoying, personally, the whip around coverage. All right, let's talk about it. Leads our favorite American team abroad. Weston McKinney is on the verge of transferring to Leeds. He might, who knows, he might be doing his medical right now as we speak in Yorkshire. I want to ask you guys as the team, how will Weston McKinney fit into this squad? Jesse Marsh has played with a 4-2-3-1. He's played with a 4-3-3 at Salzburg and at Leipzig. He likes to go with the 4-2 and play very narrow. So where does Weston McKinney fit in this recipe? It's it's uh, the age old question, um, uh, or at least the question everyone's been asking themselves since the rumor has sort of surfaced in the past week, um, because there's a lot of spots I could see him fitting. He could be used in the same spots that Allegri's put him, sort of out wide in the 
three line of a four two three one. You could see him in a double pivot, taking over for Roca uh, next to Tyler Adams, which would be an Adams McKenney partnership in the Premier League, which is kind of exciting to me. Uh, you could see him playing maybe the ten. I don't know. It's going to be another case of we get back to sort of the where in the world is Weston McKinney playing uh, until we sort of figure out what his role is going to be. Yeah, I mean, the role is one thing, but then what it means to us as American fans to continue to compile just more and more Americans at one club. Ellie, I can see you just beaming with pride and smiling about this. What does it mean to you as kind of a a newer fan trying to latch on to different teams, seeing a Weston McKinney go to a team that already has so many Americans there? It's really, really nice. It definitely helps um, as like we've done the whip around in it. There's so many different teams to look at and coming in and trying to figure out where to even watch. It's nice to have a team that has, you know, three American players. Like you already get to learn a lot about the players that you're supporting in one game. Um, and that makes a huge difference. Um, I know that, that would have been really, really nice when I was starting out. Um it would have made it a lot faster and a lot easier to figure everything out. It also makes it easier to figure out kind of who to support. And like, if you're trying to choose a team to support, it gives you kind of a clear shot at something. Um, Plus I've heard rumors of Leeds looking at even more Americans. Like how cool is that? Like if we end up with a team of just all Americans, like so easy for our new fans to come in and just latch onto someone and be like, okay, here we go. Our American team abroad. It is easy to to see that happening. And I know we'll talk about this in the mailbag segment, but I started supporting Everton when I was younger because Tim Howard was there. And he's just a goalkeeper. Albeit he was one of the best in his era. But when Landon Donovan went there on loan, it was like the best thing ever that I could see two Americans potentially play for 10 games. And then Landon Donovan went back to Major League Soccer. So to have a team where not only is the coach American, there's Chris Armas now, who we can debate all we want how effective he'll be, but he is another American there. Then to think that Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams could play in a double pivot next to each other, and even possibly Brendan Aronson could play in that 10 spot. So we could have a triangle of American midfielders at the base of a Premier League squad, and hopefully they start to move their way up the table. It's going to be amazing to watch as fans. Tom, I wanted to ask you, is is this a good move for Weston McKinney? It's... Uh, I think it's a very good move for him. Um, in some senses, that kind of stinks that he's not going to be playing in the Champions League next year. I think that there are a lot of people who would have preferred to see him to go to a Spurs or an Arsenal or someone like that, where he maybe would be in competition for minutes a little bit more, but would be guaranteed to be playing in Europe. Uh, he's not going to get that at Leeds. But at the same time, how rare is it for an American to be the star for a team? And I think that that's what Marsh is signing him to be is to walk into that starting lineup. He's the second highest played paid player on the team. He is there to be uh play 90 minutes every single game star for Leeds. And we kind of need more of that. We need guys to sort of go somewhere and be the guy. Uh it's a good introduction to the Premier League. It's a very interesting challenge to sort of walk into this relegation battle and sort of see it out. So yeah, I, I think there's a lot to like from this move. I think there's also some cr- critiques of it too. I think the lack of Champions League minutes does stink. We're losing a lot of Americans for next year in the UCL. So you got to take the good with the bad here. I, I don't know. What are your thoughts? I mean, for me, it is a good move for Wes McKinney. He's going to get a lot of playing time. I worry a little bit when you say he needs to be a 90-minute star because I've never thought that Wes McKinney is a 90-minute player. He pretty much gives you his best for 65 or 70 minutes, but... Even if it's that in a double pivot and Roca comes in to shore up the the midfield with the last 15 or 20 minutes, that's fine for me. But to know that, for me, the Premier League is the most accessible league for Americans especially, but across the world. So when I think about Champions League versus Premier League, they're almost like the same level where if Tyler Adams goes from Leipzig to Leeds, to me, that's not really a deal breaker because I'm going to watch just as much Leeds as I would Leipzig. And it's just as easy to do that. So I think from an American perspective, yeah, we might lose some players in the Champions League, but having Pulisic won, win the Champions League with Chelsea a few years ago, that kind of helps stamp out all of the stigma that comes along with American players. And for me, it's not that important anymore to have, you know, to be breaking records every year. 
I, I feel like it's almost better to just go with the law of averages and have so many players be in Europe at great teams fighting for like to stay in the league is just as much to build your quality as a player and a person as it is to chase European qualification. So if that's what it means for Weston McKinney moving there, Ellie, I want to ask you, is this a good move for Leeds? I think so. Um, I mean, having I having come into soccer and learned a lot about the players, especially Weston McKinney, the one thing that I've taken away is he can be played anywhere. He can be put in almost any position and do well. Um, and I mean, a player like that looks almost any. And I think the leads will be able to use them effectively. I think having Taylor Adams, they already work together super well for the national team. I think that gives Weston McKinney a jumping off point to continue to grow and to continue to, you know, build up that midfield, even for us on the national team, but just in general, um, I hope that he'll get to learn from, from Adams and, I just think that that Leeds will benefit from having a player like Weston McKinney. Yeah. I think one of my favorite comments from the weekend around this is that Jesse Marsh doesn't even need to interview for the USMNT job to be coaching the US men's national team. Uh, what does this mean? Last question on Weston McKinney. What does this mean for the US men's national team going forward? Is this so it's great to have, you know, chemistry building week in and week out between our midfielders that are gonna be the starters, but Maybe for Jesse Marsh, does this lend to, you know, looking three three years down the road, he's now going to have three players that are potentially getting tons of minutes for the U.S. Men's National Team. Where where does this change anything, if anything, for the the senior national team? I I think that more players in the Premier League is the best thing that's going to come out of for the U.S. Men's National Team. Maybe we get a coach out of it. Maybe we don't. We'll see how the next couple of years grow and evolve with Jesse Marsh and how he's doing in the Premier League, what his career goals are. Um, but, you know, the Premier League is one of the most difficult, if not the best league in the world for a reason. And more players getting quality minutes there is a very good sign for the U.S. men's national team. We never have had more than two or three at a time until this year. We've got like seven players now who are regularly getting time there. That's a huge improvement and only shows that we are going to keep improving and we are going to keep building expectations based on these really strong performances and really strong moves that these players are making. It feels a bit like the dams are breaking in terms of just the amount of players that are continuing to move year over yeah. year. Oh yeah. All right. So let's talk a bit about a little of the administration in the U S soccer federation, because this week, Ernie Stewart was announcing that he is going to be moving to PSV Eindhoven in February and stepping down as the sporting director on the men's side for the U.S. Men's National Team. This comes only a week after Ryan McBride stepped down as the general manager on the men's side as well. Greg Berhalter is out of contract. They are looking to bring in a manager. I attended the press conference after it was announced that Ernie Stewart was out as sporting director, and the U.S. soccer president, Cindy Parlo Cohn, mentioned that they are looking to have the new sporting director and manager in place by the end of the summer. There is a lot happening between now and the summer. A lot of important games, the Gold Cup, the Nations League qualifiers. We have U20 and U17 uh, World Cups this summer. We have Olympics next summer. We have uh, Nations League next summer. So there's a lot of stuff happening between now and when we could potentially get a manager. On top of that, the sporting director, the, the role that Ernie Stewart was taking up, was the person that was running the search for the new manager role. So that has to be a little bit on hold now as they search first for a new sporting director. Um, Tom, I guess I'll start with you. Where does this leave us as fans? What does this mean for us as fans with all of these people moving out of their positions? I mean, it's not great. You would like the Federation to be a little bit more together than it has been the last month or so, but I think that there are pluses and minuses to this too, because I think that there is benefits to some of these guys who clearly had conflicts of interest, clearly had a little bit too much personal connection to each other, being in so many important leadership roles. So seeing people like Burhalter and McBride and uh, Stewart, who were all good friends with Claudia Reyna, 
moving on means we maybe can get some people in who may be a little more objective, a little bit less connected to each other, which can only be a good thing for improving our federation. Um, but at the same time, we know that we got to win these games coming up, and Anthony Hudson has not ever shown me a whole lot of promise as a manager, so it's going to be nerve-wracking to see what we can do until the end of the summer with no manager in place and an interim that we don't really trust. Putting the losingest manager of all time in Major League Soccer and Hudson aside for a second, Ellie, I do want to ask you about, in my mind, there there are some positives to take away from this. Like Tom said, I mean, this was kind of the old boys club of people that have all been together for a long time. Is this the moment now where we can finally kind of turn that new page and get some people in that might not make hiring decisions based on you know, whose brother is at the top of the organization or who's friends with who? What are you seeing from that kind of positive perspective? Honestly, that's what I'm hoping for out of all of this. I'm hoping that seeing these people move out of their roles, I'm hoping we're moving into a USSF that has someone outside of the the in crowd, so to speak, you know, the, the that has been running things for a while. I'm hoping that maybe we get some diversity in, we get, you know, just change. Um, I think even being a new fan, I can I can tell there's time for some change. And I'm excited. I'm hoping that we use this chance to, you know, really think about where we want to go as a federation and who we want to represent and what we can do with our voice. And I hope that we choose wisely. Like, I really hope that they take this time as much as we need to get new everyone in as fast as possible. I hope they don't rush this decision because the the longer we take, the more deliberate this decision is, the better it's going to be. And hopefully that'll help us in the future. I will agree with you in principle that I want this to take as long as it needs to to get the right coach in. What I don't want to happen again is to wait a few additional months so that we can bring in someone that's equal to Greg Berhalter. And just thinking about that higher, right? We kind of had this interim coach situation because we were waiting for Greg Berhalter to be available from Major League Soccer. So hopefully when they say we don't expect to have a manager in by the until the end of the summer, that means they're waiting for some of the European leagues to end, to start a full process to interview people that might be available that are at that level that have maybe won something in Europe and that's kind of what I'm hoping for, is we spend the time wisely and we take as much time as we need to to make the right decision. But if we spend eight or nine months, again, waiting for someone that is of the Burhalter caliber, then I might be coming back here in eight or nine months to the podcast to not be so happy about the process. Yeah, I think that that's a big deal. And especially last time, we actually liked our interim a lot. Dave Sarakin was an awesome interim manager. So this time, I think that there's going to be a little bit more urgency from the fans because I don't think Anthony Hudson's going to be the guy. Yeah, and we'll talk quickly uh, or shortly about the U.S. men's national team matches that just happened. But real quick, I also want to point out that Claudio Reyna also left his post as sporting director at Austin FC. So what is happening there? Do, do we think anything under the surface is going on? I mean, it's deserved. <laughs> you can't go around doing what he did and acting the way he did during the World Cup and expect to keep your job at the highest level of MLS. Mic drop. All right, on to the <laughs> U.S. men's national team games. We had two matches this week in short succession, a 2-1 loss to Serbia and a 0-0 draw against Colombia. I know the Serbia game was a little bit more highly viewable uh, and had some of them are younger players, not so much the veterans from the World Cup playing. So, Ellie, I just want to go to you first. What was your reaction and what were your thoughts on the 2-1 loss against Serbia? I was super proud of our front line. Um, I thought our front line, we looked really dangerous up front. Um, I think we attacked well. I think the thing to take away, and having looked at some of the stats from the game, the defensive side of things were really, really lacking and really a, a really big struggle. Um I talked earlier about I don't I don't think it's Gagas Lunina that takes the fall for that. I really do think our back line, um, that first goal, Walker Zimmerman has to keep in that wall. As like as a senior player, he has to be able to do that. Um and throughout the rest of the game, I that 
that whole back line has gotta gotta step up a little bit more. Um but I think I think our midfield and our attacking side was really good. Yeah. I mean Cade Cowell hit the post twice. Ali Zendejas showed well. Brandon Vasquez got his goal. I agree with you. It's it's table stakes, right? To stand in a wall and do your duty to to take the hit. If in my mind, when you look at professional players, there are reasons that they're on the pitch over people like us. But being able to stand in a wall is something anybody can do. So Walker Zimmerman, you got to block that shot. And then on that second goal, I thought Neil was almost just lazy and uh, way too lax. I shouldn't say lazy. He was lax on his defense. And uh, he made two consecutive mistakes that I felt like gave Serbia a really good chance. Tom, what were your thoughts on the match? Yeah, I, I kind of felt similarly to Ellie that like, I really like what I saw, especially from our front line. Um, the back line definitely left a little bit to be desired. Um, Julian Gressel maybe looked a little bit too slow to be defending in that back line. Um, Jonathan Gomez and Jalen Neal showed promise, but just weren't ready, I don't think, for that level of a senior team appearance. And then Zimmerman just didn't have his best game in the U.S. shirt. So you sort of had a back line that really didn't put it all together. There were there were some promising moments, though. I really liked watching Cade Cowell cook. It was the best I've ever seen him look in any level U.S. shirt. I really liked what I saw from Alan Senora. I thought that he showed a lot of promise. Um, the rest of the midfield, though, probably didn't have their best games either. I wasn't really impressed with Aiden Morris, Paxton Pomacall. So it's a January camp friendly. You're out of season. You're playing a bunch of experimental players, whether they're youth, whether they're MLS vets. It's just, you know hard to take anything major away from it other than we got a couple of good moments we got a couple of bad moments it's extra data yeah and going on the senora spot i thought he had a, a good first game but to go to the nil nil draw versus colombia i thought he was a little wasteful in his touches but it was i think what i'm taking away from the second game was it was just weird to me how we played so many of our kind of first teamers or team 1.5 when this is a January camp that we need to be looking for talent for the U20 World Cup, we should be looking for talent to come to the Nations League and potentially give depth to our first team. And instead, we're still playing Paul Ariola, Kellen Acosta, Walker Zimmerman, Aaron Long, Sean Johnson, instead of Gaga Sanin again. But to me, the best performers in that match were John Tolkien and Dewan Jones, who were playing left and right back, respectively. So... I think my bigger takeaway from that second game was not necessarily who did well and who didn't, but what is the strategy that we're using for our players here? What is the strategy that we're using, to your point, on our manager, interim manager for Hudson to be managing this team? I felt like we just needed to see way more youth and way more new players, even in that second match. And we have unlimited substitutions, so if you need to add some stability to it, then yes, yeah, make some subs at halftime. Maybe players aren't fresh enough to go 60, 70, 80 plus minutes. But that that's kind of the weird, funky state that the U.S. Soccer Federation is in right now, especially on the men's side. Is I just generally didn't see what we were trying to do with that second game based on the roster. Yeah, I mean, we only played, when you count up everyone, we only played four or five players who are even eligible for the Olympics. Um, which you think that the Olympics coming up and with the uh, U20 World Cup coming up, you'll be looking more to be getting looks at players who might be needing to start that cycle quicker than we do for senior team call-ups. We have a pretty good senior team identified right now. I don't know why we're sort of using our senior team backups when we could be getting the ball rolling on the very important Olympics and World Cup cycles that are coming up for our youth teams. So... I don't know what Hudson was doing. It's it's not a decision that I'm super proud, uh, super happy with. Yeah, and I don't mean to complain so much about Anthony Hudson, although it does it does warrant some complaining. I think it's. I also want to say that if this was a true January camp in in other years prior, we would have been looking at almost everyone on the level of Aiden Morris. I think, but to have a January camp available to us where we have Jesus Ferreira, where we have Kellen Acosta, Walker Zimmerman, and that level of talent to be available to us. And then you have Paxton Harrison and Matthew Hoppy coming across from Europe, maybe when they're just trying to get game time 
for their European clubs. I think it's really nice to see that like this is kind of the next evolution of the Federation, right? You have kind of these starting 11 players that are playing in Champions League week in and week out, but then players 15 through 30, that is really starting to raise the level, I think. And the January camp roster, I'm not saying that you know, MLS is the end-all be-all. MLS is better than Europe. I'm just saying that to have the level that we had in this January camp, I think when you compare that to years prior, you will see that this this was such a level higher based on the talent. Maybe we didn't play that way, but I think the names on this roster are at such a higher level than we have been from a few years ago. So I do want to ask you guys about that. Based on what we had talked about, about the goals for this camp being, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter about the results. It matters more about the players. Ellie, do you feel like we met our goals and what did we learn from this January camp? Um, I personally wouldn't say we met our goals. I, I do think that y'all are right, that it's the chance to look at younger players. And I mean, we gave them a look, but I think that, I think and now I've never I've never watched a camp cupcake and so I'm I'm still learning from it all. Um but from from my understanding of it all, um, like this is this is not to go in and win games and you know, a draw and a loss is fine and all, but the important part was getting calling up young players and I love Jesus Pereira. I, I think Walker Zimmerman Walker Zimmerman is great. But I just I think I really think we needed to call in some younger players and I don't think we gave them a look enough. Yeah. Tom, do you agree? Do we meet our goals or not? I don't know. I It's hard for me to say we didn't meet our goals considering our goals were very limited to begin with. We got a few nice moments out of players like Julian Gressel and Brandon Vasquez and Cade Cowell. Getting even just a couple of nice moments is a win. Um but I think we could have possibly been a little bit more productive than we were at meeting our goals. So not sort of going to out and out say, no, we didn't meet our goals. We could have done X and Y differently. But I'm going to say that we did the bare minimum and we could have done a little bit more than the bare minimum. I think that's totally fair. All right, everyone, let us know what you thought of the U.S. Men's National Team January camp down below in the comments. We would love to see what you have to think and how it varies or agrees maybe with our own opinions. Let's get to the power rankings for this week of our boys in Europe. Starting at number five, I'm going to kick us off. Georgi Mihalovic has stolen my heart and gone shot up to number five. Just the goal of the assist over the last week, him being able to insert himself into the AZ Alkmaar roster right away. It's just nice to see. I think when players can convert from really high-performing Major League Soccer players to European starters when it's in the league like the Netherlands has. That, to me, is just a great sign, again, of the growth of the league. And Georgi Mihalovic, I never really had doubts that he would be able to convert his style and his play. That's my number five. Ellie, who do you have as number five on your power rankings? I have Gio Reyna. Um, his, um his games this week, his goals, um, I think that it shows his skill with the ball at his feet and being able to do tap-ins, being able to shoot beautiful, very hard, and straight as just beautiful shots, beautiful shots. Um, and so I think he he deserves that, that call-out for, you know, showcasing his skill and having a really, really, really good week. I've found to be it. I would be in trouble for not having Reina in my rankings, but I still want to see more than 20-minute appearances and not even playing as he did this weekend. So I'm leaving him off for now and giving my five-spot to Taylor Booth with an honorable mention for Mihailovic because I, I'm absolutely on the Mihailovic train. Um, but Taylor Booth looked electric in that game against AZ Alkmaar this weekend. He was cooking people left and right. He has such a wonderful ability to hit a cross. He's just a really strong technical player and I look forward to great things for him you know there is the caveat that I'm really not very high on the sort of mid-level of the Eredivisie and I really want to see players like Mihailovic and Booth show me something at a higher league before I'm really like willing to bet the farm on them but what we're seeing out of Mihailovic and Booth especially Booth right now is spectacular and so I'm I'm really excited for the starts that they've gotten to this year in Eredivisie and 
seeing where they go from there. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like we should have maybe started with honorable mentions of people that didn't make it to our top five. Mine would probably be Paredes with his goal and uh, his introduction to the Bundesliga. All right, number four. Let's go back to you, Tom. Who's your number four? I have Paredes my number four. That's a goal and assist in pretty quick succession for him uh, at Wolfsburg. He's the first young American to ever really crack the Wolfsburg 11. It's a really big step for us, I think, uh, given how many youth players have gone there and failed. Um, to see a player who goes and develops into a, a contributor for Wolfsburg. So I'm excited to see where he's at right now. And um, yeah, just really glad to see him get on the score sheet. Yeah, Ellie, who you got at number four? I got Matt Turner. I even with the the loss, I just I think that he he showed his skill. I think again going up against Man City, a team that has taken down many really incredible goalkeepers and coming out with only one goal scored on on him, one that he really they almost saved. Like it, I think that that's a success for him, and I think that. That shows his skill, and I think that shows that he absolutely deserves a call-up. Like, all of his everything, yes. Yeah, and I mean, for Man City, you don't expect their center back, Nathan Ake, to hit a curler into the side netting. It's credit to the goal scorer as much as it was. It's just a unstoppable shot for Matt Turner. And number four, I have Tyler Adams, the Leeds man. He didn't play much this week, and he was off the roster for the FA Cup getting a rest. So he drops a little bit down, but his importance to the team cannot be understated. You can blame the pitch or the competition that they were playing, but you could see just how disjointed the Leeds midfield was without him there. All right, at number three, I'm going to say Chris Richards is at number three for me. He won Player of the Month for Crystal Palace coming out of nowhere, but it's great to see after his few starts, the draws against Manchester United and the clean sheet as well coming up after that. Ellie, who do you have at number three? I have Richards as well. That that player of the month award, he he deserves it. Um, he absolutely earned it, and I think he deserves any any praise he can get. Yeah, Tom, who's your number three? Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say here. You guys kind of stole my number three. Uh, <laughs> I have Richards as well for all the same reasons you guys do. Just a great month from him in the Premier League. Amazing. I'll kick it back to you then for number two to start us off. I'm, you know. As I said last week, it's going to take something really special to displace my top two. And so they're going to be unchanged. Tyler Adams is my number two. He continues to be very valuable to Leeds. We can see it even when he's not playing. So until someone like Weston McKenney comes in and does something amazing at Leeds, it's going to be Tyler Adams, the number two for me. Yep. I have Giorina for his goal-scoring contributions to Dortmund. I think both of his goals that he scored recently have been game winners as well. Again, Dortmund is climbing up the table back within three points of Bayern Munich, thanks in part to Giorena's winning goals. Ellie, who do you have at number two? Very similar to Thomas. My one and two, I think, are going to stay pretty much the same. I think that uh, y'all are right. Without them on the field, you can see how disjointed everyone is, which is why my number two is Tim Ream. I just, I think him not being on the field, you can tell when he's there and when he's not, and he makes a difference. So... I think it's going to be pretty hard to displace him as well in my stuff and my top. Uh, I'll let you bring us home then. Who's your number one? Just Tyler Adams every week. Tyler Adams. <laughs> uh, I think very similar to what Thomas said. Again, you can tell when he's not there, he makes a difference. And, you know, really excited to see what he does with Weston McKinney coming into the, the team. So he, he keeps his spot as my number one. Yeah. I mean, I only know Thomas as an astronomer. I think Tom was the soccer guy, but well, <laughs> I'm just kidding. My my number one is Tim Ream. You guys already stated he, he just is so important to Fulham and the fact that they drew with Sunderland, gave up the goal, and we're probably the worst team out of the two because of Tim Ream and, and Jedi for that matter. I think he's still at my number one in Fulham, still at their place in the Premier League. Tom, who do you have at number one? Tim Ream, Fulham's in seventh. They don't look to be dropping down the table anytime soon. Tim Ream is number one in minutes played in the Premier League. That is an amazing stat. Never thought I'd see that ever in my life. So congrats to Tim Ream on an amazing season so far. 
Amazing. All right, that wraps up our top five player power rankings. Let us know how you are enjoying the segment. I'm loving the power rankings. I like switching out the players every week and just going one by one. Thanks so much for that. All right, guys, we are going to do the mailbag segment for our Patreons only. So if you do want to see, stick around and uh, join up and support the Patreon. We'll be talking about the European clubs that we support and what we've gone through to do that. Before we do, we'll do last word and say goodbye to everyone else that is watching and listening to the podcast. Tom, what's your last word for the week? Uh, last word for the week. Uh, apologies, my power, my power rankings are not um, completely done, or my maybe roster polls not completely done yet. That uh, analysis will be done as soon as I get a free minute this week to actually write the code that needs to be rewritten. Uh, the Python backend that I was using was horrifically ugly <laughs> and needed to be blown up and reconfigured completely before that could be done. So that's coming soon. And just, yeah, excited. Uh, we had a couple of U.S. games recently and excited for cool stuff happening in my career. I just started a new research position with a NASA team this week, and I'm pretty stoked about that. So, yeah, lots of good stuff. Congrats, Tom. Ellie, how about you? What's your last word? Support your lower league soccer teams as we get started with seasons and preseasons. CSC is coming back. We're coming back good this season. We're going to be strong. Um, super excited to see where we go and good luck to Atlanta I best of luck to Miles Robinson this season my favorite player um, and so I'm just support your lower side your lower league soccer teams even if they're like the lowest levels like they're really fun go to games support lower soccer teams I thought you were going to say even if it's the Chattanooga Red Wolves there no 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 unfortunately don't I don't go that far <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's them. If you're in Chattanooga Sports CFC. <laughs> Amazing. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for watching. I really appreciate it. We really appreciate it. And if you do want to see our mailbag answering of the questions, stick around and join up, support the Patreon. Otherwise, we'll see you next time on It's Called Soccer. Peace.